Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast. We're sorry, we can't, don't hate us. My name is Emma. And I'm Shannon. And we are here to chat about sex in the city. I'm sorry, I can't, don't hate me. The motherfucker's concise. I revealed too much too soon. I was emotionally slutty. Okay, I'm a big whore. I think we have a stiff breeze. I'll give you a hundred dollars if you say something bitchy about someone we know. That's so Shannon and I have been huge fans since we were teenagers. I actually used to watch the show with my father, who sort of begrudgingly joined at first. Um, but in anticipation of watching Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, which was one of his favorite shows we would watch Sex in the City that came on, I think it was on, I can't remember what channel, but it came on before Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. So my father and I would watch it together when I was about 14, 15 years old. I loved the show from the very beginning. It was sort of unlike anything else I had ever seen on television. And, you know, growing up as a, as a woman, as a girl, um, in today's day and age, you hadn't, I hadn't really seen anything like it. And I hadn't really seen anything that addressed those sorts of topics. Shannon, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience with the show? Yeah, honestly, um, I was pretty similar. I, I watched it with my mom and her twin sister, my aunt, uh, not my dad. I don't think he would, he wouldn't like that as much. <laughs> But yeah, I watched, I started watching it when I was uh, like 16. Um, and I, I remember it was on Cosmo. That was the channel that <laughs> we had, which seemed very appropriate for the show. Um, but I, I liked that it was a show about four women. It was hilarious. Um, it was very fashion forward, but it wasn't like frivolously fashion forward it, it was very much a part of the show but the characters weren't like less than because they cared about how they looked but I also really liked that it was an adult show and like as a 16 year old it was really nice to um have a show that was kind of inspirational and aspirational <laughs> uh for me as a non-adult but wanting so painfully to to be an adult <laughs> mm -hmm. um so it was really cool to um to almost like live vicariously through these four women who were in New York and having a lavish, um, fun, uh, sexy <laughs> lifestyle that I didn't have <laughs> at 16. Yeah. I yeah. Totally, I, I loved it. I totally feel you on the sort of aspirational. I think that growing up in a small town, I saw these women's apartments and like you said, their fashion and their lives, you know, going for brunch like once a week and, and seeing their friends and friendships have always been so, so important to me. I know that they are to most people, but I do really consider them a solid part of who I am. Um, but anyways, I saw that as sort of that aspirational piece of, you know, the Carrie, the Charlotte, the Miranda, the Samantha, meeting and seeing each other as their number ones. And I love that. Yeah, it was really cool that they were kind of like they were friends, like no matter what. And that that was kind of the vibe that the show kept going. 
Um, and at 16, I hadn't really had friendships like that or as many friendships like that. So that was also kind of something that um, I looked I looked forward to. I wanted so badly, <laughs> just like that mm -hmm. core group of friends that you know is always going to be there for you. I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, I always knew that my friends would not be the friends that I had. Like I knew that I would meet them in my early 20s. I, this is sort of related to the show because it's actually yeah. kind of interesting. I feel like this could be a whole episode is like, <laughs> how did they become friends? Like there's no backstory. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, anyways, we won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, why? Why? <laughs> why are we starting the podcast? <laughs> why are we here? Why are we doing a podcast? Yeah. Um, tell us. <laughs> yeah. So we joined into a local radio station that um, was talking about the Sex in the City reboot. And we had a many an opinion to offer within a nice tight 10 minute time span. Um, but just kind of through talking and to each other about that, we realized that we have a lot <laughs> to, to talk about and to explore with the show because it, it was such a huge part of both of our teenagehoods. <laughs> um, and then now we're we're kind of approaching the same age that um, Carrie and Miranda and Charlotte were at the beginning of the series. So it's kind of this interesting, uh, interesting thing. We we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to say about the show. We love it. <laughs> yeah, and while we're looking at it with a bit of a critical eye, because of course it is, oh gosh, twenty to thirty years old. I'm so bad with numbers. Um, it still was really progressive for its time, but there's still definitely some issues that we're going to talk about. Yeah, I, honestly, I was kind of thinking that with our in, our title inspiration coming from the very iconic burger breakup post-it note, um, I feel like we might explore like our relationship with the show <laughs> in a way that we're not breaking up with it, but it's healthy communication. <laughs> I totally thought you were going to say our relationship with burger. <laughs> and I was like, well, we all know that I'm secretly a burger stan, but I mean, that's probably from my own man issues. <laughs> and I don't eat meat, so. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, speaking of the iconic post-it note that our podcast is named after, um, today we're talking about breakups. Yes, the fun <laughs> world of breakups. <laughs> uh. I've had a few really memorable breakups. One of them haunts me from when I was 16 years old, and I think it was my first official boyfriend. And I liked somebody else at the time who had the stupidest name. I won't even repeat it. But anyways, I liked somebody else at the time. And he texted me, my boyfriend at the time texted me and said, so you've been talking about, or you've been talking to this person a lot. And I was like, yeah, we need to talk. So he came over to my friend's house. Cause you know, when you're 16 and you're at your friend's house, because that's the best time to break up with somebody. Um, he came over there and he was in his car and I went and I told him, I honestly don't even remember what I said. 
But then he was really upset. And then he sat crying in his car, which is very sad. But I, like the asshole I am, just like walked away. And I had a friend who looked at him. She went up to him in his car and she was like, are you okay? And he's like, you know, not really. I, I feel pretty shitty. And then she's saying it's a hard knock life to him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was pretty ridiculous. Um, Definitely memorable. He obviously never spoke to me again because that's probably just the worst experience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do have another one that was a little bit on the funny side and it was with somebody who I hadn't been dating for very long. And uh, basically he left, we were like hanging out or whatever. And then he left and then I just started to feel kind of weird and like not right. And, and I, I told him, I texted him and I was like, something feels off and I just don't know. And then he's like, well, do you want me to call you? So I was like, yeah, let's, let's talk on the phone, even though we had just been hanging out. And so he called me and then we just, I don't know how the conversation even came about. Probably you're pretty standard like you know you've been seeing somebody for like a short period of time so it's like oh I just don't know and so it was sad but then (laughs) I was like do you want to come to my birthday party tomorrow still (laughs) (laughs) and he did he came to my birthday party oh my gosh and you know it was fine I I'm very much an amicable person with my exes I feel like I don't have any bad blood with any of them, really. How do you feel about that? That's honestly, that's so. I find that really admirable um, <laughs> because I'm the opposite. <laughs> um, the few exes that I do have, uh, I do not talk to, and I would prefer never to see. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that is the normal reaction, which is much like Carrie's reaction when. Burger breaks up with her and we get that I just watched this episode and we get that very dramatic smashing of the vase of the pink carnations yes yes there's definitely a lot of a lot of anger like we don't really see her that um torn up about uh that relationship and specifically she doesn't tear up how they broke up <laughs> she keeps it with her the mm-hmm. yeah the post-it note <laughs> the post-it note yes the post-it note that inspired the name of our podcast we're sorry we can't don't hate us <laughs> <laughs> so i'm wondering shannon like obviously like you said carrie is very angry which is kind of unlike her behaviors in past breakups Um, is it because this is the worst way to break up with somebody? And it's interesting to look back on this episode because I, oh, I'm so bad with dates, but it would have been like early 2000s, late 90s when this happened. So this is kind of early texting days. So now with all these different types of technology and different communication styles, like, is this still the worst way? Like the (laughs) post-it. Is there a good way to break up with somebody? Uh, um, that's such an interesting thing to think about because part of me wants to say no, there isn't a good way. Um, I feel like there's just often going to be 
um, one way or the other. And this in particular feels like a really nasty way to break up with somebody because it's so one-sided. Um, and specifically it kind of comes at, like this breakup happens right after they both kind of commit to trying again and like trying to make the relationship work. And it just, to, to write a few lines, like it's not even a haiku. He's a writer. He didn't even put like <laughs> any effort into this really. Um, and it's so, it's so, um, it's so flippant. Like he just a few lines and it's done. And like, he doesn't dignify her with a conversation. He doesn't face up to her. Um, it's very, yeah, it's very one-sided. So it feels like a really particularly bad way to break up with someone. And I think Carrie actually addresses it later in the episode where she is uh, <laughs> being particularly mad with his friends. And um, she says the, the good way to break up with someone is to dignify them with, uh, with a response um, or something, something along those lines. Um, yeah, I feel like if I got broken up with a post-it today, I would still be, <laughs> I would be pretty pissed about it. Um, but I think maybe the worst way to go would would be ghosting and just mm-hmm. not not hearing from the other person whatsoever, which Burger almost kind of did. It was basically the original ghost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you bring up the fact that he's a writer because that's actually so important and so integral to his character. And also earlier in their relationship, Berger was so intimidated by Carrie's success because she had just signed a book deal, I believe. And if I'm getting the details incorrect, please correct me. But I believe she had signed a book deal and she was doing quite well. And I, I think she offered to pay for something for him or I don't know. And then, yes, yes, the shirt, (laughs) the, uh, Dolce and Gabbana shirt or whatever. I'm not very good with the fashion. That's Shannon's portion of this. (laughs) But it's interesting that that was such a kind of an important part of the relationship and kind of the first signs when we see it start to crumble is that he's so insecure about her success. And because they're both writers and because they're both in comparable fields, he just kind of turns into this person that's so intimidated to reduce him to somebody who should be quite excellent at communicating one would think, but he literally just leaves an extremely incredibly important conversation to eight words or however many words there are to that degree. And it's, it's actually really fascinating that he is a writer But yeah, no, I think that, like you said, I think that if somebody broke up with me over a post-it today, it would just be all the worse because there are so many good ways. Not, okay, good way, like you said, there's no real good way. But with like texting and Snapchat and whatever, I don't know, I'm not hip with the kids, but I think (laughs) that having those channels of communication that are open to each other, like that is just becoming easier and easier by the day. So the post-it, I don't even think Burger could get away with that these days. There's just too many channels of communication. Well, yeah, no, that's such a good point. Like, I just think 
today Carrie would hunt him down and find him <laughs> on like some sort of social media. She would go to his LinkedIn. And she'd send him a direct message and she would just it'd be all fire. It would be a bunch of emojis and just the, yeah. <laughs> no, that's so, that's so true. Like, I don't think that you could really do the same thing anymore, especially like how how far they were into their relationship. It's not like it was just a one night stand or a hookup or, um, or anything where they were just two ships passing. Like they, they had established a relationship with each other. So you would think that there would be some, some way to contact one another after it's all. Oh, absolutely. Well, so this episode's about breakups. (laughs) (laughs) So we've talked a little bit about Carrie's breakup with Berger. One thing I did want to talk about was that iconic scene where they go to bed, the the hot new bar, um, and they run into Berger's friends, which whom we had not met before that. Like they were completely new characters in the show, (laughs) (laughs) which was an interesting choice. But so Carrie obviously is on this like complete rampage. She's mad. Like this breakup really got her. She's not sad. Carrie at her honeymoon resort in Puerto Vallarta. Like she is on a rampage and the worst person to run into other than your ex themselves is of course their friends. So Carrie goes on. I mean, any sex and city fan knows this scene. Well, <laughs> When she goes on to have like the cringiest conversation with them. What do you like? How would you act in that situation, Shannon? If I was Carrie? Yeah. Or or the friends? If you, I, okay, let's do an either role play because I'm curious to hear your answer. So, like, if you were Carrie, and I mean, we've all probably been in this situation, like, how would you address your ex's friends? After that post-it breakup. Uh, Well, I'm a very conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) Um, So I would, I would like nestle myself within the safety of my friend group. And I would make eyes like across the club, like shoot them, like do dirty looks, but then ultimately (laughs) just (laughs) steer clear of them. But also, I would like to think that I would show up to that club like looking hot as fuck and like feeling really, really good. Um, so if they did see me, they just should know that I'm thriving. That's like the story that I would want to play in my head. But in reality, I'd probably just like look over my shoulder a few times and be like, uh, we need to go to the other side of the club right now. <laughs> oh, 100%. I also like to think that I'm that person that... Yeah. would be a mature adult and just be nice and normal and not pull a carry. But I know I would probably be like, Oh my God, we have to go to this corner and, or leave. I I could also see myself like making my friends leave. Yeah. (laughs) Just like in the most dramatic fashion. Yeah. I think really what stands out to me is that she goes over to them and she talks, she talks to them like that. Um, oh gosh, I just find that so cringy. Like I, that is so far from how I would handle that situation. I would not, I would not want to talk to them. I would not, I, I wouldn't even want them to know that we broke up. Like Berger can be the person to impart that knowledge. But, um, yeah, I just found that so shocking that she, 
she talked to them and she yelled at them. She got mad. And not only that, like she had this very heroic in her eyes statement. And she was like, I have to go talk to them. And her friends were try- like Samantha and Charlotte and Miranda were all like, no, you don't. <laughs> you absolutely do not need to talk to them. And she didn't listen to them. She went anyways. So I, it's just like one of those scenes in the series that I, I don't know. Like, what is this? Is this Carrie, the fearless leader? Like she says what she wants. She does what she wants. She's an independent woman. Or is this just her falling on her face and being foolish? I don't know. Uh, I, I can see a little bit of both. And I think when she kind of compares that interaction to leaving an angry answering machine message um, on someone's someone's phone, um, mm-hmm. I can kind of understand it that way because she, like we talked about, like she didn't get a say in how he broke up with her um, through the poster note. And that's understandably caused a lot of anger for her. So when she sees them, she's like, oh, well, this is like my opportunity to say something because she was really um closed out of that that chance to just you know like fight for herself or defend herself and um I I I get the the thought process of like wanting to to address that and wanting to stand up for yourself and I don't know if you've ever (laughs) gone through this but I've had a number of of conversations where I like go back and I just replay them over and over and over in my head of like what I would have said Mm-hmm. Um, or what I would have done differently. Um, or if I even had the opportunity to, I don't know, address an ex or a friend group or something. Um, I, yeah, I just, I, I think about all the things I would have said. So I kind of, I see this as like, well, she's taking the opportunity. She might not ever get <laughs> <cut> that again. <laughs> and I think it's so see- cringy, but. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, and we we see how it turned out for her. So maybe we should keep those thoughts to ourselves (laughs) so we don't live in regret. We take that to therapy. (laughs) Yeah, take it to therapy, not to your ex's friends. Um, But yeah, Carrie explored lots of questions related to breakups. I mean, it's really a lot of what the series is about. just as an example, when you break up, where does the love go? Can you be friends with an ex? And we did kind of talk about this earlier. I think it depends on the person and the breakup. Yeah, for sure. It really does. Like, um, I wish I wish I had an ex that was a friend so I could experience <laughs> it. <laughs> I guess what that's like. Um, but it, I guess throughout the series, like I some of Carrie's um questions around breakups were really um impactful for me because it kind of explored them as more than um an ending um there there could be a future where you are friends with your ex or um the the question that she posed um i think isn't where does the love go um i thought that that was really important too because you know so often when you do Feelings don't necessarily just vanish. Um, And maybe you do in that moment want to be friends with them, or maybe it's just like really hard to 
to see red flags or, you know, reasons why um, it might be better if you are broken up. But just that question of like, well, I had all of these feelings and this relationship, this whole relationship. And we're, we're saying that we're not in that relationship. And I, I don't know what to do with all of those feelings. Um, mm-hmm. I always thought that that was like a really, really important way to to think about breakups and like I think kind of um maybe a more advanced one than uh <laughs> than I was exposed to like growing up um where you know a breakup is always kind of a sour thing and it's always like oh you break up you're done it's funny that you say like where does that love go and last night I was <laughs> researching is a very strong word I was looking at somebody's Instagram stories about polyamory. And part of the argument for polyamory is that with your friendships, like each friendship sort of fills your cup in a different way. Like your family, each family member fills your cup in a different way. Like you, you take and you give so differently in all your relationships and that's what fulfills you. And that's what gives you energy and that's what gives you life and et cetera, et cetera. So why, are we limiting ourselves to one partner it, to be able to give or take and have that relationship? Does that sort of make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I, I kind of see like some of that portrayed in the show to an extent. Um, we don't really see Carrie with multiple partners, but I think they kind of touch on that um, with the friendships in between the women and um, how that fulfills them, Carrie, I guess, specifically, since she's our, our main heroine, um, and how that, that fills you up in, in one way. And then men are kind of a, a, a different thing. They're, they're a different relationship to explore. They're to have fun. They're kind of on the side. Uh, but their, their core focus between the four women was their um, relationships with one another. Not exactly polyamory, but the the idea of um, multiple relationships, as you were saying, uh, as you were saying, um, giving you something unique. Absolutely, and I think in a lot of previous media that was aimed at women, as we all know, was very men centric, and basically, you know, if you don't have a husband, then you're not necessarily worth anything. So I think that the series is really interesting in that instead of the focus, I mean, of course it's still, you know, it's, it's still largely revolves around men, but I think that the strength of the series is that it, in the end, largely revolves around their relationships and their friendships and they never break up with each other because, but they face lots of strife and confrontations and issues with each other, but they always seem to work it out and they, in that sense, they have the relationships that they need. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, I think they say, um, at a couple of different points in the show, like we are each other's family. Um, Mm -hmm. and we see, yeah, as you said, like those relationships kind of as we see them as really complex, uh, I don't want to say systems, but I'm at a loss for another word. Um, but they're they're really complex because they they do grow and they evolve, um, and there's conflict, but you work through it. 
And I think, especially with romantic relationships and expectations uh, put on women in particular, there's, I think, kind of this this expectation or maybe this avoidance of conflict, like conflict is a bad thing. And I, I don't think it always is. Um, and it's something that you need to get comfy with, <laughs> get comfy with conflict. So maybe Carrie going up to a burger's friends wasn't <laughs> as bad of a thing as I think it might have been. <laughs> yeah, I think you're, I think you're right though. Like conflict, especially for women in relationships, like standing up for yourself or, you know, couples that get into arguments could potentially be seen as not having a healthy relationship or any of that jazz. I'm just going to preface by saying nobody knows what anyone else's relationship is truly like. So to put yourself in a place of judgment is, I mean, I, I stand here on a high horse saying that, but I've totally judged my friends' (laughs) relationships, but you never really know what's going on. Yeah. Um, But I digress. Uh, So I do believe that there is this like perception, like, oh, it's an unhealthy relationship, but that presence of conflict and how it's dealt with within the relationship is probably much more important than the, than the conflict itself. And I think that was, I mean, that was such a strength of the women's friendships. Like if they were mad at each other, they called each other or they stormed into each other's apartment or they, you know, they took that anger or that sadness and they let them know about it and they figured out a resolution. Whereas in these, in relationships, Often, because conflict is seen as such a negative thing, people bottle it up, bottle it up, bottle it up, and then, <laughs> and then it ends up being way more, way blown out of proportion than it should have been. So, yeah, it's just kind of in, an interesting view on seeing like these friendships as family, these friendships as relationships, because those relationships are so different than how romantic relationships are perceived or expected to be. Yeah, that I, I, I like where you're kind of going. I like talking about con- this idea of conflict, um, especially thinking about Carrie and Berger, um, because there is a lot of conflict um, throughout their relationship, kind of leading up to the, the post-it breakup in particular. And there was a lot of, um, there were a lot of moments where they were, I, I like, I'm thinking of the, um, what was it called? The Hollywood kiss where to kind of, you know, patch the, all of the issues that they were working through over Berger would just kind of like sweep Carrie into a deep dip and give her a big old smooch out in public. Um, <laughs> it like they're, they're, processing of conflict was so uh bad (laughs) or just kind of (laughs) it wasn't very healthy you know like there was a lot of trying to um trying to avoid it and trying to cover it up like having a bit to you know work through it rather than address what was really causing the conflict which was a lot of insecurity from Berger over Carrie's success um and a lot of yeah, just his own insecurity. Um, and I'm sure some of Carrie brought into it, but that's really what we were, um, I guess, kind of guided to see on screen. Um, and then it ends with 
a post-it note. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe Carrie's explosion of anger. Well, I don't know if it's an explosion, but she was certainly more angry after they broke up. Um, I wonder if that's because there was so much building up. On the note of conflict, let's talk about Miranda. We haven't even touched on Miranda, and I would say she is now my favorite character. Yes, yes. Um, all be Mirandas. We should all be Mirandas. It's so true. So let's talk about Miranda and her arc with Steve, because there was a lot of conflict there. And Miranda is somebody who is not afraid of conflict. No, definitely not. I mean, that's part of her job, right? Is uh, addressing conflict in a courtroom. Hmm. So I feel like, and I feel like when we had our original discussion about this, I really came to understand not understand but I came to realize like how much I maybe didn't love Steve like (laughs) and maybe this was upon my rewatch because Steve is obviously a beloved character and I I, okay I'm not gonna go as far to say like I don't like him but she really was given the storyline like love conquers all like even with their first well, I guess they broke up a few times, but then even when they got back together and it was like, she was dating somebody who was fantastic. And like, you know, Steve was with somebody else, like none of the, nothing really made sense for them to get back together, but they loved each other. So that saved them. Um, and then in the movie as well, like, you know, Steve cheats on her pretty big deal But it's like, well, you know, like I remember her conversation with Carrie, like, but, you know, like Steve loves you and blah, blah, blah. And and I'm not saying that that's a conflict that you can't work through or anything like that. But she was sort of given this storyline that was like, Steve is your soulmate a little bit. So I just don't. I just don't know how I feel about that. I'm I'm saying this and I, I just feel, I feel almost kind of uncomfy with it because I think that because the theme is, you know, and they even say it in the series, like they are each other's soulmates. They are each other's family for Miranda, who is, you know, one of the strongest characters and standing up for herself. And, and like you said, like in her job and everything like that, why was she given this storyline Maybe I'm just being cynical. Am I being cynical? You can tell me if I'm being cynical. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Honestly, from our last conversation, I think you asked something like to the extent of why is she with Steve? And it really, I am still thinking about that question. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is she with Steve? And I, thinking about their relationship arc, um, I think that you're absolutely correct in, in my opinion. I, the love conquers all was definitely a a running theme <clears throat> for her and Steve. Um, and I think there was some value in her relationship with Steve at the beginning because it kind of was, it, it seemed like it was trying to illustrate that Miranda often is so critical that she doesn't give people a chance um, very much like judge a book by its cover or just 
you, you know, Steve was kind of there to to prove that, like, oh no, I'm I'm worth it. I'm worth taking a risk. Like, I'm I'm worth the, the chance, which is fine. But <laughs> after that, he kind of wasn't. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. he was just such. Oh God, he was such a baby and. In the second season, like they really wrote him to be a child. Um, Yeah, I just I don't really know what he provided her after other than, as you said, like that love conquers all. And I think of her relationship with Robert. um, That was just such a better relationship for her. Like (laughs) Robert seems like he was actually on her level. Mm-hmm. you know and he was really hot <laughs> and like successful and nice and sweet to her and yeah I obviously love Robert <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know it wasn't the right man it was Steve all along but I'm almost like confused because I do feel like the show kind of tricked me a little bit because I didn't I didn't really think about these things about Steve until I rewatched it. Now, upon rewatching it, I'm almost 30 now, obviously been through a lot more relationships and a lot more lovers and whatever you want to call it, had more experience. And upon my rewatch, my most recent one, I was like, what? Why did I love Steve? Like, it was like somehow he has this charm about him that just melted away his issues. And I just, I don't know. I'm just sitting with that information now. And I'm like, was everything a lie? <laughs> <laughs> Who else don't I actually like? But yeah. yeah I, I think of Steve as being like, um, it, like that was a storyline that was really, I don't know, maybe this this is also very cynical, but like, I, I think of his character as being something that the producers or the writers are really trying to push. Um, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of, it doesn't seem like it's organic, I guess, between him and Miranda mm-hmm. as much as maybe some other characters. Yeah. It's just interesting. Cause I always thought Miranda is somebody who chose herself first before Steve or sorry, before Steve, <laughs> I always <laughs> thought Miranda who chose herself before her relationships with men. Um, but then Steve kind of broke that a little bit, which is interesting. Even like, you know, moving to Brooklyn and all that stuff, which is a thing that people do and people compromise on. And, you know, you have a baby and I guess things change. I don't know. I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like all the characters were really strong and like knowing what they wanted, especially Samantha. Let's talk about Samantha. <laughs> yes. Yes. <please. laughs> Uh, oh, I love Samantha. <laughs> of course. I mean, how could you not? I do feel like Samantha is like a fan favorite for a reason. She's just so wonderful. Yes. I just watched, I mean, in that burger episode, uh, the posted episode, she does the the quote where she where Carrie's like frowning and she's like, don't do that with your face. <laughs> and Carrie's like, what? And she's and she makes the face at her. And she's like, you're going to get wrinkles. It's just like Samantha is a character that transcends ages. And I feel like even when I rewatch her, she's still relevant. Whereas I feel like a lot of the attitudes and behaviors of the other characters. But I guess I'm speaking mostly to Carrie. Sorry, Carrie. 
<laughs> um, but are quite childish and quite like, I don't think that Carrie could get away with her dating behaviors now. You know what I mean? Like Samantha kind of stays true to herself. And that's something that has sort of lasted until now. Like, I think that if Samantha were out in the world, like she'd be killing it. She'd be running her own PR agency, you know, whereas I feel like if Carrie was a real person, she'd just be kind of sad and alone. And I don't know. That was a bit of a tangent. (laughs) (laughs) No, Samantha. Yeah. I, I agree. Samantha's just kind of that character that um, there are there are a lot of elements are a lot of elements of Samantha's character that um, I think were really progressive for the time and are still quite progressive. Um, and like she, I mean, she's obviously very out there and like, like almost a caricature um, of a real person. But like, I still believe that Samantha, as you said, like would be running her own PR agency, and she. Like I fully believe that a real Samantha would have a nude photo shoot and hang up those photos mm-hmm. in her house. I've actually done that myself. Um, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was very awkward when my parents uh, came by my apartment um, <laughs> and when my brother stayed there for a couple weeks. But um, like I, I fully believe that she's kind of that confident like that kind of confident forward character. And there's a lot of, um, yeah, there are, there are a lot of things that she did that hold up now. Mm-hmm. And I think one of those most important things, as we kind of talked about already, but she always chose herself and her own needs over relationship, even when that relationship was, you know, five, six years, like with Smith, like who could have seen that coming? They had the perfect life. Well, from the outside, they lived in LA, but she just wasn't happy and she just wasn't herself. And to step away from something like that is just so admirable. It Okay, here's some more um, random Instagram story polyamory information. <laughs> <laughs> but bas- actually, this isn't uh, specific to polyamory, but basically there's a quote, something along the lines of like, the two people in the relationship are more important than the relationship itself. And I think that that's just something that's so important to remember um, for anybody in a relationship that, you know, you are number one. And Samantha taught us that at a young age when we were teens. And it's a lesson that continues to reign true today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, honestly, I I had um, my mom is a twin and um my aunt, I kind of always saw as my second mom, but she, I mean, she's not, she's not a Samantha in any way, shape or form. I think she'd be very offended if I said that, but (laughs) I saw, I saw a lot of similarities, I guess, just in how, um, how she chose to live her life, which was like very, um, very strong and, um, very like putting herself first. Um, rather than like a relationship or having kids or, you know, kind of doing that whole thing. And I always like really looked up to her for that reason. And I look up to Samantha, I guess, kind of in a a similar way, like, you know, as as you said, like being in a five to six year relationship, like she was with Smith and then 
you know, making that decision when you're not happy and you're, you're kind of losing yourself and you're not, you're not putting yourself first to make that decision to end the relationship, even if you still really care about the other person is really, really hard to do like that. Ooh, that, um, I really respect Samantha for that. And I thought that that was a really, um, that was a really big moment of growth for her and her character. Absolutely. And it just kind of goes back to that question that we were talking about earlier, like where does the love go after the relationship ends? And this is kind of, you know, like I said, like, I believe that you kind of always love that person and they always have sort of a little spot in your heart. That's obviously not as big as the spots you have for your closest friends and family and your current relationship. But I do think that love is still there. And I do think that conflict and breaking up isn't necessarily that horrible thing that it's made out to be. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it, it really is. Um, speaking of Instagram graphics, um, I feel like I've <laughs> we learned so much on Instagram now. <laughs> I feel like I was reading one recently, but um, it was kind of addressing that, you know, sometimes love is not enough and, you know, it's not that you you can still love another person and you can still love yourself, but sometimes like that's just not enough to sustain a relationship and that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Is that the very cynical note that we're going to end our first episode on? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is, it's kind of pessimistic, but it's also optimistic. Because I think that once you realize that love for yourself is the most important, I think that that's when you discover yourself and discover how to be in a relationship and you can only grow from there. Well, honestly, that's how the series ends. Um, And I know this because this was my quote in my (laughs) high school um, graduation book. Um, But Carrie, at the very end of the series, says the most important relationship you have is the one with yourself. Um, And that really is. that's the foundation that all other relationships are um, built built upon, interact with. It's just a really important relationship to not discount. And Matt, this is so important for reinforcing (laughs) um, how good that relationship can be and how important it is to not lose sight of it. Sorry We Can't, Don't Hate Us is edited and produced by Stephen Cook, who has never seen Sex in the City, but started diligently watching for research purposes and continued for Matthew McConaughey. And we are ever so thankful for that. <laughs> and a huge thank you to Travis Bretzer, who created our extremely jazzy theme music. He literally, we didn't ask him, he heard what was happening and volunteered. So please treat your ears and follow him on Spotify at Travis Bretzer. That's B-R-E-T-Z-E-R. He's a treat to listen to. Yes. Yeah, totally. And another special thank you to Jamie Clanahan, who used all of the crayons in her digital art box to create our splashy cover art and branding. You can check out her work at www.jamieclanahan.com. That's J-A-I-M-E-C-L-A-N-A-C-H-A-N.com. 
And please rate, review, subscribe, or if you feel so inclined, DM us a post-it note to at don't hate us pod on.